0: Here with another PHPA podcast. This is Daryl, along with Kyle and Jake. And we're actually lucky to have here in person here at our office in Niagara Falls, none other but the one and only Jim Wiley, field consultant for the PHPA. A rare uh, rare visit from uh Fort Smith, Arkansas. Uh, Jim, tell us about your current position. you you're a field consultant for the PHPA. What's your role on behalf of the players before we start getting into your uh, your, your background, which we're going to go uh, we're going to examine in detail throughout the throughout the podcast today?
1: Well, it, it should be a short session then. Uh, as, <laughs> as a, <laughs> if you're going to go over my career, uh, a field consultant, PHPA. Uh, the, the simplest way of saying it is, uh, I, I make sure that I'm in contact with most of the uh, PHPA reps. Uh, on each team in my area, which is pretty much the Midwest, both the East Coast Hockey League teams as well as the American Hockey League teams. I am close at hand for those teams. Um, Even this digital era where we can be close at hand to anything, I can actually see people in person on a regular basis. So if there's a concern or a problem or questions or settings that need to be talked about, addressed, corrected, whatever the case may be, I'm available uh, to to do that. Um, And pretty much that's what it is. I I guess you could say, it's it's not a positive thing to say, but I'm a troubleshooter. If there's a problem or, I guess you would say, a potential problem, I might be able to go in there and uh, at least uh, listen to what is being said and stop something from going the wrong way or correct things in the case where it's already gone the wrong way.
0: Mm hmm Okay. But okay, so without naming names or going into too much detail, what are some common issues that you, that you encounter or deal with on a day by day basis, week by week basis, or, or what what's some common stuff that you've got to deal with?
1: Well, I may run into a given situation that ultimately will involve many of our colleagues here at the PHPA office, but I may be the the, the first one to be made aware of a given setting, such as. Um, uh, travel in, travel out reimbursement that's either late or not accurate in its amount or there's some question about whether it's a legitimate expense or not. Certainly workers comp in, uh, uh, players that are injured and uh, the, the player being cleared or not cleared, sometimes that becomes a little bit more drawn out than it needs to be. Um, those are the, the, the main type of things uh, for the most part. There's, there's not as many as as one might think but periodically there's um there, there there are issues that that take some time to resolve but at the same time most of the reps are pretty good at looking after their own given team situations prior to giving me uh, any kind of notification of a potential problem
2: so you have been around hockey for a long time and you've played professional for seven years including 60 games in the national hockey league and then on to another 400 plus between the american league and the chl uh, also known as the central hockey league um what was that experience playing in the national hockey league and um do you have a i guess a welcome to the league kind of moment when <laughs> when you got to the to the show
1: well kyle the first thing is 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 I'm glad you told me seven years. Can I never kept track of anything like that? <laughs> I, for the most part, I say this with some humor, but seriousness at the same time. My stints in the National Hockey League were more like having a cup of coffee and a steak <laughs> dinner every now and then. I was pretty much a minor league guy, but at the at the Triple A level, or if you if the National or excuse me, American League, and the old Central Hockey League, which was Triple A at that time and the Tulsa Oilers and then I spent all of my American League time with the Hershey Bears it it was always a, a goal as a as a young person I, I didn't take the traditional way I I went to college at that time not that going to college was a was a an unusual thing but for hockey players it was usually the major junior a route and then you got drafted and you, and so on and so forth but for me I came right out of college and uh, so it I had planned to go to Laurentian University for to work on my master's degree uh, in, in sports administration, which I can say at the time that I'm proud of the fact that I did acquire that degree from University of Tulsa when I was playing. And subsequently, I've got 60 hours above that to work towards my doctorate degree, which I have not finished up. Statutes of limitations <laughs> Good, has ran out. I haven't been calling you Dr. Wiley I, I know, all this it would time. Have, it would have been really something for that to have happened. But the bottom line is, is that it was really um, something that I wanted to do, meaning playing in the National Hockey League. But I think it became clear after a while that, that I may not be the type of guy that was going to be able to stick there. Uh... I can complain about that all I want, but I think when when I look back on it, I had some flaws in me that didn't allow me to stay there as as much as I would like to have stayed. Um, my primary deal was that the American Hockey League, the Central Hockey League, is where I I did my my, my stitch, I guess you would say. I, I had the most success in both those leagues uh, at at that level. The the um, uh, St. Louis Blues goaltender, and I do remember I was high in the slot and just snapped one off, and it was a post to post okay. and then. <laughs> a highlight goal. It was a highlight goal, yeah, of course. But of course they didn't have. Oh I yeah, they you, did have two TV. in my day. They did have those. They did have TV back in those days. Sorry. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> well, okay. So you, you had you had your illustrious uh, on ice career that we. T- talked about and then uh then you started coaching about five years after your your playing career ended so like how did that transition go down from you know going on the ice to behind the bench so what went on in those five years and and how did you start to coach because you did eventually reach the NHL which you're going to get to so what uh, what what was your coaching deal like
1: well as so often for most players when when their careers come to an end my, mine came out of me similar to what i was saying to kyle mine came with the idea hey i'm i'm probably just not good enough to play in the national league i I have an education and maybe i should get into um, an area that i'd be interested in and uh, get outside of playing Uh, it's one thing to talk about that it's another thing to really know i'm not sure outside of i schooled myself academically for education right which means i could have taught and that kind of stuff, and uh, then I started thinking about coaching. And, uh, and And when I had finished, I was going to school and playing at the same time full full course at the University of Tulsa, full time student, playing. And actually, I was a visiting classified as a visiting instructor, so I was teaching classes at the same time. So i was I was recognizing very quickly um, that hockey may not be. Um, too much longer in my plans. So the bottom line is, is what got me into coaching was there was a job in the United States Hockey League open up in in Des Moines, Iowa, and I went up there. Uh, and eventually, uh, uh, not only was the head coach, I became the general manager as well. And while I was in, in that uh, position for a couple of years, each summer on recruiting of players, uh, and it's a it's a tier two junior A league that is probably more for players that are destined or at least wanting to go play college hockey, right? Whether you're talking division one or whether you're talking division two, II, three, their goal was, is to get a college scholarship, um, particularly at the division one and two levels. So the bottom line is we recruit players that had that mindset. And in my recruiting of players, I would go to a hockey camp called Minnesota Hockey Schools that still exists today up in Brainerd, Minnesota. In that process, I started running into a lot of other hockey people doing the same thing I'm doing, which uh, I became close to uh, Kevin Constantine. And in the process of of talking hockey and, 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 and brainstorming one another, as well as trying to recruit players, uh, Kevin ends up Uh, being assistant coach um, in Kalamazoo in the International Hockey League, and ultimately uh, is uh, with the new franchise, San Jose Sharks, uh, splitting up of the Minnesota North Stars and and so on and so forth at that time. He ended up getting the head coaching job in Kansas City, and he contacted me, and that's how my pro (coughs) coaching started was assistant coach in Kansas City.
2: Not bad, and then... Obviously, uh, I guess in your own words, you also coached in the NHL having a cup of coffee with the San Jose Sharks.
1: Th- that, that holds true for both playing <laughs> and coaching in the <laughs> National Hockey League. Uh,
2: maybe tell us more about that experience, um, getting that opportunity to coach at the National Hockey League level, and maybe uh, a little bit of the differences between the Development League, where you were in the American League for so long, and then, again, the opportunity to be with the sharks
1: well it, it, it was b- bittersweet right. uh, in, in my becoming the, uh, the head coach in in San Jose uh, first of all it was all through the efforts of my developing as a coach as assistant coach in Kansas City in the San Jose sharks organization Kevin Constantine um, was pretty much a, an individual who who uh, mentored me along the the, the the new lines of hockey that we know today, which is um, a lot of analytics and very detailed type of deals. As, as a former player in my day, we just went out and played, right, with some direction by the mm-hmm. coach, so on and so forth. But anyway, as a result of Kevin having me come up and be his assistant coach in San Jose first, it was shortly thereafter he was relieved of his duties, and yours truly was was uh, <laughs> l- lack of a better term thrown into the situation of a team that wasn't doing very well and so it was bittersweet now I can tell you the day that that occurred was on a day of a game so I went from uh, I went from assistant coach in preparing my part of the game preparation to being the head coach uh, so that was a scary transition that very first day because it was only three hours from when the coach was fired <laughs> oh. and now i'm behind the bench coaching my first national hockey league game it it it, it was um somewhat ironic we, we we ended up winning that game and so i remember humorously stating to myself that uh, hell this is a cup of cup of coffee <laughs> Gee, it's easy right um uh, and then I can tell you what happened in my second game when we played the reigning Stanley Cup champions Colorado, and I think we got beat 11-2. So I realized really quick it wasn't going to be a cup of coffee and an easy type of deal. Um, it, 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 was, it was a change in that the expectation as a coach in the minor leagues is development. You're developing, you're paying attention to not only tactics of a game and systems, but you're you're looking at developing individual skills and um, m- mental development uh, We in the San Jose Sharks organization had a great many Europeans on our team. In fact, one of my jobs as the assistant coach in Kansas City when Kevin was the head coach was to look after the Europeans as it related to language development of their language from, to, from their native language to to um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, speaking English, right? <laughs> learning how to speak English. Some great stories about that, but uh, that that took up a lot of time because it was it's a process, right? How how do you communicate with people if you can't speak the same language? So the development process is is certainly part of the uh, the, the minor league system. Now, when you get with the big boys, uh, there's an expectation that they have developed to a greater degree to to be where they are right which is a very high level but the irony of it all is it's still a team game there's still systems to be uh, uh, put out there for everyone to have their role everybody accept their role and and to correct the problems within the roles to correct the the inconsistencies that take place and so that exists in the national hockey league despite uh, what you may think. There's a development aspect, a development of that specific team from the beginning of the year, trying to move it up so that they're Stanley Cup um, bound, if you will, being everybody's goal. It's it's tough. It's, it It is tough, and and um, it, it wasn't particularly easy for me. I think in San Jose, one of the first things I asked the equipment manager to buy would be fire extinguishers <laughs> so I could go down the middle of the dressing room and put out fires that I saw uh, existed at that particular time, but um, I enjoyed it. I think the realization of being the head coach, the interim head coach in San Jose, came after the first game, and it was when I was going to bed at night, putting my head on the pillow, saying, "Holy smokes, I'm a head coach in the National Hockey League." So
0: you you coached for a total of uh, sixteen years. Which included stops in the USHL, IHL, NHL, AHL, ECHL, UHL, and the CHL. You so got around. So <laughs> he got around just just a few leagues.
1: It's like bad smell. <laughs> <laughs> it gets yeah.
0: But uh, so so after coaching uh, your last year, oh seven, oh eight, you went on to work for the uh, CHL, the Central Hockey League. So uh, what was your role there? What were some of the uh, challenges you encountered? And um. So uh, towards the end of it, did you kind of see the writing on the wall as the league uh, eventually uh, consolidated with the ECHL in 2014?
1: Well, it, it, it's an interesting how things evolve. Uh, I think going back to some of the initial things I said earlier on about my, the history of my development, Education was always there in my mind as something that I might want to do. Uh, athletic director, all that kind of stuff. So anything that had to do with the league has always intrigued me, whether you're talking about player movement and the, and, and the um, tracking of all of that, contracts, uh, 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 officiating, immigration stuff, um, disciplinary action, which, which I think when I took the job in the Central Hockey League as the director of hockey operations. All those things I just mentioned came under my bailiwick in my department. I was in charge of officials. Now, did I did I know anything about officiating? I sure did as a coach and a player. I called <laughs> them every name my under hat. the sun, hmm. right? And when you get to the league level and, you, and you're involved with officials, you hopefully have somebody, in my case, a 30-some-year a, a uh, official in the National Hockey League by Wayne Bonney, was the head of officiating and of course Wayne had suffered the wrath of Jim Wiley a number of times in his that capacity when I coached in the Central Hockey League because I would call his officials everything under the (laughs) sun as well Uh, I think my best line was um, after a call that I thought was very very bad and I was screaming I calmed down and I finally waved the referee over uh, to the bench, and I said to him, "Can I ask you a question?" He goes, "Certainly, you can." I said, um, "Well, maybe I shouldn't say that in front. of in th- That's a bad thing to say." Uh, oh, you can say I it. Was, uh, I, I was, I was, I, I said, to "Do I, point I point get a can I get a penalty for thinking?" And he looked at me and said, "Well, of course not, Coach." And I said, "Well, I think you're horse manure." <laughs> 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 anyway, um, <laughs> so the Central High League provided me. Uh, a a very, very well-rounded learning uh, experience all the way from understanding the very, very detailed aspects of officiating, from recruiting officials to looking after their immigration work to looking after their housing to looking after travel, their expense reports, so on and so forth. And that as well as for all the players in the league since I did immigration work for that as well, as well as the biggest, the biggest rude awakening is the uh, disciplinary action. Very, very, very difficult process. And the one thing that I learned that, that sounds kind of corny, but it's the truth, is when I had, on any given situation, both sides, after my d- deliberation on, on a given circumstance and setting, if I had both sides angry at me, I knew I did my job. Because I was, I was being fair to all aspects of, of the deal. Probably on one side, didn't give a, a big enough fine or a long enough suspension, and on the other side, gave too much uh, 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 fine and, and too long of an e- extension or a s- uh, suspension. It, it was a very, very, very good process. Plus, in my present capacity at the PHPA, I was always on the other side of the negotiating table, so it allowed me in transitioning uh, to the present job that I have now, I have some pretty good insight as to what a collective bargaining agreement is and its contents and how it is developed and the intent at, uh, of what each one of those articles in the clause, uh, what it stands for. So th- it was a very, very good situation for me to have spent time in the Central Hockey League.
0: Yeah, like I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because... Like I've been here at the PHP for quite a while, and I was I was here when when we represented players in when the in the Central Moby, Hockey when League. Movie
1: Dick was a middle. Yes, <laughs> yes. That's, uh,
0: but you know, threw me off there. But when, uh, <laughs> so so I was here back when you were with the CHL, and w- you know we hadn't met, but we had had sent some emails back and forth from from time to time. So uh, around here at the office, uh, you know, you were definitely known as as an ally to the PHPA, and uh, you know. S- Otherwise, sometimes some contentious dealings with the with the CHL. So you were you were that ally. You were kind of like the voice of reason in many circumstances. So, um, you know, so it's which makes it very cool to be working with you now here on the same side. But that's really like a testament to your personality. Is that it's like? Do you think that was something that maybe you picked up on your time in coaching or just being around the game? But like talk about like the human element of the of the professional hockey landscape. Like you you seem to to get it. You know, well, like I, what.
1: It's ever-changing, Daryl, it, and, and I'm, I'm sure all of our intellect will tell us that the, the very few things stay the same. Uh, it, it, everything's evolving, uh, w- whether you're talking old-time coaches that I didn't mean to imply earlier that, that, that there wasn't any coaching, but certainly to the degree that it takes place now with the systems and the analytics, uh, taking and measuring all the variables and still trying to find out which variables are any more important or significant than others, I uh, Uh, Down the road, that's going to be interesting to find out uh, in in analytics what what turns out to be the variables that are most significant. Um, I I think from the coaching, from a player to a management uh, coaching and to the uh, league administrator, um, I think the process that I went through, starting from scratch as the director of hockey operations, and specifically, as you heard me emphasize earlier, the disciplinary action, the ability to listen to both sides of any given situation, and the realization, ultimately, no matter how convinced you as an individual may be that what you're seeing is this, that someone watching the very same situation can see the almost total opposite. In fact, Having said that, I've had many uh, interviews with with, um, both sides of a given uh, incident that took place on the ice, and I, at the end, would comment to both participants by saying, I'm not even sure either one of you were at the same game. That's how varied uh, responses and observations can be. Transitioning that into what you were asking... I think that gave me a little bit more open-minded, blinders off. Li- I can listen more to what people have to say. And I, it's too cliché, but if you shut your mouth down and, and listen to what people say, you might learn an awful lot. And I think as much as I can talk, I can stop, and I do listen. And I think that's what's allowed me that, that understanding, that transition... It's not as if I haven't ever um got under the skin uh of people I I have but at the same time I think I've got, I'm open enough mind to to take a thought process about any given situation that can not only see the player side but see the management side and have both of those entities understand why one another think that way and come up with some sort of resolve.
2: You talked a lot about the transition and um obviously everything evolving as time goes on and you've seen a lot evolve from your time playing to coaching and then working in the league where do you where do you see the game now and what's what are your thoughts on on how the games played nowadays as opposed to when you were when you were a player and coach for for that matter well
1: I there's a lot of changes and and most of my comments in answering your question probably won't surprise you you you, you've heard them you've thought of them yourself and 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 most people talk about them the old expression they're faster (laughs) they are bigger and they are stronger i I think all athletics in whether it's a team sport or an individual sport i think one can say that about any sport right I, i i think the whether you're talking soccer, whether you're talking gymnastics, whether you're talking volleyball, whether you're talking whatever, basketball, football, baseball, son of a gun, the, the, these people are big. And and they're fast and they're strong. And and yes, uh, some of the equipment has is, is contributed to how fast the puck travels now with the, with the synthetic type sticks and so on and so forth that have been put together compared to the old wood sticks <laughs> that we used to use. Those are all pretty ever-changing things. The the the, the um, analytics that that is pounded these days as something new, and e- yes, it's it it's more it's used more often now. But it's not new. Right. The only thing different is there's there's more of a a scientific and a r- record keeping. Whereas the good coaches in the old days they had those analytics and those thought processes all up here, and were able to digest and grab on at least the good ones were right and and it's a great tool uh the analytics i, I think as an old timer i caution everybody and and I, I think analytics are absolutely good just like using video i i think it's all good to show players uh, areas of needed improvement as well as to show them where they excelled where they did a great job i caution this though in analytics like any other walk of life If you take analytics and you make decisions solely on analytics when you're dealing with people, I think you can be making a huge mistake. Uh, I I think you have to have a combination of both. You have to have a combination of understanding who your individual is or who your individuals are. And yes, you can use analytics or, if you will, uh, data to show them their needed areas of improvement. But I've, I've seen people wiped off because they don't seem to skate fast enough for any given time and then turn out to be maybe not the fastest skater, but one of the best skaters in the league. But analytics back at some point in time would say that his top-end acceleration or his top-end speed, if you will, was not there, and therefore he was dropped from any potential uh, um, prospect. He was dropped. But you have some people that would take not only the analytics, but their knowledge of that individual because no one knew how hard that individual worked. And so that individual, if he took the heart that if what was holding him back was his skating and they ended up working like a banshee to try to get better at skating and who did, now he's gone from not even being considered a, a project, now he becomes a prospect. And, and so analytics itself, by itself i i don't think is complete enough
2: yeah and i have to agree with that too because you know if you you get all these players focusing on just analytics alone now you're now you got players focusing on i gotta get a good course so i'm gonna i'm gonna get over the blue line and fire a puck just on net just to just to improve my course well are you taking a high percentage shot or are you just throwing a puck on net for the sake of throwing a puck on net and not making the right play
1: right I, th- I think when my comments, and I'm not a statistical or a statistical guru. Uh, yes, I did take baby stat, and yes, I did take advanced stat. Don't ask me how I even passed those courses, <laughs> let alone get a good grade in them. But I can tell you that having the right variables to, to, to measure, having the right tools, statistical tools to measure them, all can give you various results in your stats, depending on your beliefs, um, so you can have an, an hypothesis that says the fastest skaters are going to be your best players. Well, I think we've seen in in, in hockey over the history of hockey that maybe the fastest <laughs> skaters aren't always the best skaters. So the question is going to be: How significant are the variables that are being measured? Which ones are going to be have the most significance in predicting the success of a player? Right. That's i think so that's a big change in in my day i I, and and one of the things that i'll try to end in answering your question but it's got a little humor um i received about a month ago a a dvd from a a former uh video um person in a in a specific organization that that did videos for amateur players, for the scouting department, did videos for the coaches for the the uh, pre uh, pregame uh, video sessions and postgame video sessions. He did all of that. He sent me a videotape, or excuse me, that, that ages mm-hmm. or dates me, doesn't it? He mm-hmm. sent me a DVD <laughs> that um, <laughs> the that cassette, that deck, that too. That, yeah, yeah. No, that's that came after the VHS tapes. Anyway, as it turns out, he sends me this DVD and he says, "I hope you enjoy." So I put it in my DVD player, and I'm looking at it, and it's me playing in uh, Vancouver the very first year after leaving the Pittsburgh Penguins. And the Pittsburgh Penguins are playing in Vancouver. And it was the first broadcast, and I don't know if it was Hockey Night in Canada, but it was the first broadcast west of the Mississippi. So I'm looking at the, the arena, the board signs, None on them. <laughs> I'm looking for <laughs> logos on the ice. None. It's just ice, red line, blue line, markers on the ice, and then selfishly, right? I'm trying to look and try to find Jim Wiley. Well, Jim Wiley probably did more of being the stopper on the bench, and we discussed <laughs> what the stopper is—stop the D from running into the forwards. I didn't get a lot, a lot of ice time, but I did get out there, and then I said to myself, my. God were we slow? <laughs> and it was it was a rude awakening to answering your question. What do you see the difference to be back then in my day and now I'm telling you the speed of the game is just unbelievably now in comparison to my time..
0: So I guess final question and it'll just in, in blunt terms, are, are you still having fun? Are you, are you enjoying your role, what you do with the PHPA working with players every day, working with their staff? You you seem to be enjoying it, but are you you having fun?
1: Well, got to have fun. Um, I'm at the age where most people ask me why I'm still working. (laughs) Uh, I I say because I I believe that you work until your mind and your body tells you you can't. So in answering specifically, am I having fun? Absolutely. I've been blessed to be able to have a significant career in hockey in some form or another. for a lot of years and and uh, I've, I've met great people uh, I, I've, I've 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 had some enemies that have turned into great friends uh but the bottom line is that yes i enjoy myself i i hope i continue to be uh, an asset to the phpa uh, i love uh talking with players and yes there are certain situations that can in fact turn you every which way but loose but the bottom line to it all is i love what i do
0: good stuff well thanks very much for your time no we really appreciate i know it's a a rare appearance when you come up here in the office we always always enjoy it and always enjoy chatting with you so thanks again for the insight and and uh, appreciate your time
1: thank you for having me